Hey friends, I'm Sharon Betters and you were listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. After the fatal car accident of our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, there were those who were further along in the grief journey who were willing to step back into their own sorrow and loss and grief in order to come alongside of us and to guide us through that maze that seemed like a foreign land where we didn't know the language, we didn't know um, the customs, we didn't know the people. And we knew because of the help that those people were to us, that we wanted to be those calling back to others, coming behind us in life's journey and to offer them the help and hope of the gospel of Jesus that others had given to us. And one of the ways that we do that is through our Help and Hope podcast. We share stories, redemption stories of people who have experienced loss or challenging seasons, or maybe they bring a special expertise to uh, helping us walk by faith in wherever God has placed us. And so today's guest is Christina Fox. She is one of those people who is sharing what she has learned about her own faith walk, especially as a parent, especially as she has learned more and more about what it means to parent like our father, how God parents us and why that matters for our parenting. So today's podcast, in today's podcast, Melissa Weissenfels, a young mother herself and I are talking with Christina about what it means to parent like our father. Christina is a counselor, a retreat speaker, a writer. We have had her as a guest on the Help and Hope podcast in the past, and it is such a pleasure to bring her to you again today. We're going to be talking about some questions like, How can a better understanding of God's character, uh, his unconditional love, and even his boundaries give us a roadmap for helping our children navigate the comparison trap, even their rebellion against boundaries and more. We also talk about our own feelings of failure and even how to live with a broken heart when children reject our faith. I love how Christina encourages us that as God's beloved creatures, we bear his image. And that is why we can show others who he is as we glorify him. And friends, is there anything more important to pass on to our children than this? So thank you for joining us. And I know you're going to enjoy our conversation with Christina. Christina, welcome. Yeah, I'm so glad to be with you guys again. Well, I grew up in Maryland. I went to Covenant College and that's where I met my husband. First semester of my freshman year, Uh, we've been married 25 years and have two sons, one of which we're about to launch off to college this fall. My training and background is in counseling, and I just really love to help women see how the gospel intersects with their daily life. I serve in women's ministry nationally and locally. I'm a retreat speaker, writer, author of multiple books, and the latest of which we're about to talk about today. Yes, like our father, we're, we're very eager to be talking about that. Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I uh, originally grew up in New York, uh, came down here to Delaware for the University of Delaware, um, met my husband uh, shortly after graduating, um, been married over 16 years, and we also have two kids, a daughter and a son. 
in the middle school age. So uh, this book was just extremely helpful, not only to me um, as a parent, um, but as I continue to grow in my walk with Christ and uh, deepening my own faith. Um, this book was really about parenting the parent versus parenting the child. So it was extraordinary, and I'm excited to talk about it more today. Well, let's jump right in. Um, Christina, when I was parenting, I'm 74 years old now at the time of this conversation. And so I'm a great grandmother, but it doesn't take much for me to go back to those early parenting years of uh, parenting young children. We had four young children and there was lots of chaos and, you know, watching their behavior and trying to shape them. And I was always looking for the how-to books, how to, how to do this, give me the steps, just tell me what to do. Why do you think we are drawn to the how-to and why do you say that there's a different perspective on parenting that can be life transforming? That is so true. I'm drawn to the same thing. I have many of those same books on my bookshelves. <laughs> For me, I just like to get things right. I don't want to mess up as a parent. I also like to have control over things. And, you know, I just want to follow that manual, follow those steps and just see that things work out the way they're supposed to. Follow these steps and my kids are going to turn out this way. They're going to do a certain thing. Um, and I think that sometimes those how-to methods can feed in at least into my own desire to um, be the goddess of my kingdom, to trust in myself and my efforts rather than in God. And so I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with any kind of method or five-step <laughs> program kind of a thing. But I know my own heart is always looking for ways to live independently from God and trusting in those steps rather than depending on God to be at work. And so with this book, like our father, I wanted to shift that question from how, how do I to who, who is our father? Who is God to us? And who are we as his children? You know, he's, he's our perfect parent. And so who better for us to model our own parenting after than our good father. And so, you know, as we focus our hearts on who he is to us as a father, I think that then kind of shapes all those how-to questions that we have. So this book really is, you know, more principles-based, more of a theology of parenting based on the character of God. And I, I look at just different ways that he parents us and, and then what it might look like for us to then image those ways in the way that we parent our own children. So in the book, I talk about God's unconditional love for us, uh, his patience toward us, his, um, the way he provides for all our needs, his consistency, the boundaries he sets for us, etc. I really appreciate your perspective because I can see how it changes. It would help change our perspective from the outward behavior of our children and ourselves toward the heart of who we are. And I, you know, I, I confess, I was very interested in the outward behavior of my children. I wanted them to be good. And I, I'm a pastor's wife. And so I knew there were extra eyes on them and I, I didn't want to be embarrassed. And I wanted them to show how great I was as a mother and all those things. And what you're saying gives a different twist. And I think there's more freedom 
challenging, but um, more freedom in what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And I've had those those same fears uh, as a parent of, you know, wanting to to look like I'm doing the right thing. Well, I think parenting in general is is filled with that constant fear from the day you find out you're going to become a mom. Um, and then it doesn't really stop. And, and we're more um, aware that we often fail each day more often than we get things right. And so as much as the how-tos are really helpful and it puts us back on a track because we want to know how to care for an infant or how to you know, train a child to eat various foods or what have you, those things are really helpful. But at the end of the day, I think that the, the fear of what are they going to turn out like, what's my impact in their world going to have on them goes much deeper. And that's what you really draw attention to here in, in the sense that it's not necessarily the behavior that they're going to be known for at, at the end of the day. It's who they are on the inside. And that's all comes from who we are as image bearers of Christ. So what would you say to those parents who are struggling with those fears of failure with not getting it right? And then how does one accept God's grace in those moments? Yeah, that fear of failure is um, something I'm very familiar with. I, th- I really think parenting makes us face that harsh reality that we are fallen sinners. Not only that we sin, but also that we have just limitations as being humans. Uh, We have weaknesses. And so if we didn't know any of that before we had children, we certainly do after that. And so as the Lord reveals those things to us in our parenting, I think it really becomes an opportunity for us to see our great need for a Savior, Um, you know, that we need the grace of Christ each day that we need to depend on him um, for all that we need uh, to be the parent that he call, has called us to be. And one of my favorite verses, uh, whenever I feel just insufficient in any task or ill-equipped is Second Peter 1. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So, you know, what that tells me is that God in his grace has given me all that I need to do what he's called me to do. And when I feel like a failure, I need to turn and look to Christ and his perfect life live for me, to his perfect wisdom, to his strength, just to all that he is for me. So then I rely on his grace in my failures and learn from them and then kind of lean into him as I parent my children. Well, I, those of you who are listening, we're tackling some pretty big topics in our conversation. And I hope that our conversation will act as salty peanuts and you'll want more and you'll grab Christina's book, Like Our Father, because she unpacks it even more in her book. I was interested in your perspective on we are parented, as Melissa said, it's parenting the parent uh, through the, the love of our father so that we can reflect his glory and reflect his character qualities to our children, to our in our everyday lives. And I was the second oldest of seven children, and our house was never ready for company at the drop of a hat. It was, we had to really scurry when we knew somebody was stopping over and it would just mean stuffing things into closets and just making it look right on the outside. How would understanding God's character of order, that he is a God of order, 
help a, a mother like mine or like me, because I was the same kind of mother with four young children, to reflect his character of order in a way that would draw people to his love. Chaos is a theme of motherhood, I think. At least it's been my experience. You know, no matter how well planned or organized I am, something always interrupts those plans and just brings disorder. So I guess two things, you know, one, God is a God of order. Uh, We see that throughout the scripture. He's described as unchanging. The Bible tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is consistent in his character. So we know that, you know, he's not going to change in the way he responds to us. We also see that he values order just in the way that he created the world and the laws that it follows. You know, we know that uh, tomorrow morning the sun is going to rise and in the evening it's going to set. And so these are aspects of who God is that, that we experience. And as parents, you know, we can image that to our children in the routines that we um, set in our, in our homes, the structure that we implement with our children, um, just the patterns that we set for our, our lives, whether it's, you know, having story time every night or, you know, when you get up in the morning, this is the first thing that you do, that sort of thing. And so we show the father to our children in in all those ways that we, when we are consistent with them and they know what to expect from us and they know what is expected of them. But then at the same time, we have to remember that, you know, we're not God, so we are not unchanging and that we live in a fallen world where there is chaos and interruption and unexpected events. And, you know, we can't be surprised by it. And so it's like this difficult tension, I guess, you know, where you want to be, have routines, but yet you can't freak out when your routine is interrupted at the same time. And and that's a difficult balance. But I think that that's really kind of how life is, is lived, where you're, you know, you're doing one thing, knowing that at the same time there, you know, sin will, will interrupt in some way. And that's why, you know, the Bible tells us to make our plans, but yet trust in the Lord. And so I think that when the chaos does come and the interruptions do come, then we have to, you have to seek the Lord in it and to know that, well, he reigns over this. He reigns over this situation. He's the one who allowed this, this interruption to come. And, and what can I learn from it? How can I glorify him in it and really turn to him to, you know, equip us during that, <laughs> that time of chaos? Well, that leads me into another question about reflecting God's character, I can remember just being broken, you know, head bowed, tears streaming over my Bible. Lord, I've done it again. I lost my temper. I, what is wrong with me? Please help me. We know that God's character is multifaceted. So I could see where, as I look back, the chaos and, and not being able to have the home cleaned up the way I wanted it to and all those things. But as I get to know deeper his character, understanding that there's a patience and a grace that he extends to us and it's a blend. But can you think back to when your children were younger of moments like that and how your response today might be different because you have a deeper understanding of the way God parents you? Yeah, I I know I've had many of the same kind of moments as you described. 
And I, I think it really was a lot of those moments that got me thinking about the topic of this book, about the way the father parents me, because I would get <laughs> frustrated with my kids for, you know, forgetting something that I, you know, that I taught them to do. And, you know, every day, like, you know, how many times does one have to be taught or reminded to brush their teeth before they just automatically do it? I don't know. In my case, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Still trying to figure it out. (laughs) And, you know, there was a moment where I was like, am I going to have to go away to college with you so that I can help you remember these things? Seriously, though, that frustration and then also that impatience with, you know, when the same rule is broken over and over and I'm like, goodness, you know, um, how many times do I have to tell you that you can't do this, can't do that, or that this is, you know, our rule or whatever. And it was in those moments when the Lord would just gently prompt my heart and, and show me my own heart and my own wayward ways and the ways that he has ministered to me and taught me the same things over and over show me, you know, he would show me my own rebelliousness and, and that he showered grace upon me again and again and again. And, and so all those kind of situations and seeing how the Lord has worked in my own life just reminded me that I needed to do the same with my children. I mean, we're, we're both in the same boat, you know, we're, we're, we're both fallen sinners and we both need the Lord's work in our life. I think that resonated a lot throughout the book as I was reading just that constant reminder when I'm frustrated with my children and the repetition of the rules or the routine or what have you. And it's like, I'm sure God's doing the same thing saying, Melissa, how many times have I taught you the same thing of response and patience or consistency and, um, you know, perseverance? It's like, okay, I write, right. Um, But you also talk about, you know, the importance of those things of setting limits and rules and boundaries as God does for us. And we need to to image that to our children. And it seems so obvious, you know, children do work well with boundaries. We all do. We need to know right from wrong and, and have a set kind of path before us. And it seems like, you know, it can be so easy to create rules and then follow through with them as a whole nother thing. But as they're getting older and entering these teenage years, um, having a constant comparison between their friends of, well, they have this or they're allowed to stay up or this family gets to say these words that we're not allowed to say, or why can't we do what they do? How would you encourage parents to continue to image God to these kids and not slip into the legalistic approach of rules and boundaries? Um, I love one of the things you said in your book is, well, two things that really struck me I want to share is, is the rule for God's glory or for my comfort? aha moment there. Often I, it's like comfort. Well, if I'm honest, probably some of it is comfort. And the other one with kids, when it comes to the outward behavior, we've talked about earlier, you know, you, you want to set those rules and boundaries and say, you know, be good. And you said, yeah, let's rephrase that. And your example was instead of saying, you know, when you're dropping them off at someone's house, don't just go be good. You said, remember to love your friends as God has loved you. Powerful, powerful, just in the words we choose, how we can impact the perspective that these kids have. Yeah, <laughs> I've been in that season for a while of, of comparing, you know, what our home life is like to what other people's home life is like. And one of the things I do point out in the book is the importance of 
being clear what the differences between God's rules and our rules in the house. Um, this was something actually that my pastor had brought up one time, and I really found it very helpful just saying, you know, God has rules. They are the, you know, his commands. And then we have rules that are just to make our, our home function well. You know, it, it's, you know, just makes things easier when, you know, we all know what's expected of us. And so that helps keep our kids from being confused and thinking that, you know, making their bed every morning or loading the dishwasher is the same as God's Ten Commandments. No, they're that's different. And so, you know, God's rules really are intended to shape our heart after him. And some of our family rules are simply just to help our family function well. And um, so I think that's helpful just to think of it in terms of that. In terms of the comparison thing, um, I, I just always say, you know, in the Fox family, this is what we do. And, you know, you're right. The Jones family is different. They do things differently. Uh, I don't know why they have the rules that they have. I know why we do. And I can tell you why we have our rules. I mean, that can be hard for kids to grasp. I think that the more that they are around other families that they start to see. I remember there was a time when I would get these frequent comments of like, well, my friends can play whatever video games they want, or they can play all day long and that kind of thing. And I think that that was just a, a misconception that they had. And that the more that they were around other families, they started to realize, well, maybe that wasn't so true after all. And so then I'd start hearing them say, well, you know what? So-and-so can, can't do this at all. Or so-and-so's rules are like this. And so just that more experience that they have as they mature, they just start to realize, okay, maybe there's some nuance there. <laughs> While, yes, you are strict in this way, I can see how you are not as strict in this other way. And so it, you know, sort of balances out in their mind. And so the other thing I do, I think, what I think it's helpful is just to help when you hear that comparison talk to just kind of point out really what what's root that's rooted in envy. So let's kind of talk about what, what that is and what that does to our hearts when we start doing that. So then on the flip side of that, then how would you encourage a mom who maybe did raise their children to know, love and fear the Lord, um, but has watched them turn away from their faith or sees them slipping from their faith or embracing what they're seeing in the other environments around them? I know I've talked to many moms about this and it's so hard to watch your child wander off the path of life. You know, you're, you're calling out to them to come back, come back. And, and they just seem to keep wandering. And I just, I just really encourage parents to remember that the father loves our children far more than we ever could. And that, you know, it, it may seem like the story that he is writing is, is a very difficult and hard story for their lives. It's hard. It's one we would never write. We have to remember that he knows exactly what our children need. And, and so I think really we just have to pray and pray desperately, pray for the spirit to be at work in our children's lives, pray that he would bring other believers into their life who might be able to you know, speak to them in a way that we can't and maybe, you know, would might lead them um, to know him. Pray for the redemption and, and healing and restoration that only God can do and never, ever give up praying. I love that you talk about that we're their primary teachers, but we're not responsible for their salvation, that God does the work in the heart. You know, we, we do the work 
here, but, and then the outward work and the parenting, but he works in their heart and we have to trust in that. And I think that's super important to remember that, that he is in ultimately in control, which is a hard part too. And in the last chapter, you focus on love. And I, and I just love that you kind of bring it all together under that umbrella, that the love that God has for us, the love that we have for others. So what does it look like to love our children through those hard times um, that their behavior has created? It seemed kind of weird to put that at the end of the book, but I really felt like it sort of encompassed everything. You know, God's love is unconditional. His love is not fickle. It's not changing. And it's not dependent on what we do, but on what Christ has done. And so, you know, we image the father to our children when we love them, no matter what, we love them through hard times, when we love them in spite of what they do, when we love them enough to say no to things, when we love them enough to give them consequences and help them to learn from their misbehavior, when we love them through even like some of the natural consequences that they experience for the choices that they make in their lives. You know, as much as we'd like to protect them from some of the consequences, sometimes love means walking beside them as they experience those consequences. I once had a friend who we both knew this teen girl who got pregnant and my friend's response was a little, you know, wasn't something I'd heard before. She said, you know, this situation is going to reveal God's grace to her and her family and just in a way that you know, it wouldn't have otherwise. And, and so we don't often look at those hard times in our children's lives as opportunities for God's grace to be on display. But what if we did? What if we used whatever those hard times were as an opportunity, you know, to point our children to the gospel, to show them God's great love for them in Christ? And so, yeah, I think the love that the Father has for us, as we image that to our children, I think that really helps them see his love for them. And that unconditional love that, you know, you, you talk about children associating love with behavior and how important it is for them to, to almost disassociate love from behavior and consequences are part of life. And it's not because they're inherently bad, you know, there, there's just consequences and you can love them through those, those times. And I think that's what makes having it at the end. So appropriate because you go through all these different steps of who we are and how we're created to be. But at the end, of the day, we're unconditionally loved by um, our our Father, our ultimate Heavenly Father. I'm just loving this conversation between the two of you, and I I do think about the times where our children made mistakes, and they were not pleasant. They weren't easy to be around, and to have this as our uh, goal our relationship to the Lord flowing out to them. And I love, Christina, what you said about seeing those hard places as opportunities for grace to be revealed. They're they're like sandpaper for us. Those hard places are like sandpaper. And it's hard to accept that sometimes. But once we do, I feel like there's a freedom in there that now we're watching for where the Lord is working in ways that will surprise us. Sometimes we pray so desperately for our children and we want them to go in a certain way, but God has a different way of getting them there. And his uh, perspective is eternal. And sometimes, and we, we don't think that way automatically. So I, I love the encouragement to think that way. And 
I know that there is someone listening right now as we wrap up who is encouraged by the conversation, but probably feels very, very challenged by it because perhaps they've been leading their children with the law and thinking that it was the right way to raise their children. But now there's a different perspective and want to lead their children as they are being parented by the father. Can you just, as we close up, Christina, speak to that mother who is really struggling right now? Maybe she's even in tears because she's recognizing missed opportunities with her parenting, but she doesn't even know the first step. She doesn't even know, where do I start to experience this kind of relationship to the Lord that is going to flow out into my children? Yeah, I I just over and over throughout the book, just keep reiterating the truth is that God is our perfect parent and he alone shows us how to parent. And so I would say, if you're ever in this kind of situation to start with the who before the how, who is God as your father? What does his parenting of you look like? How has he loved you? How has he taught you, trained you? How has he provided for you? How is he consistent with you and toward you? Then ask yourself, you know, how could I image what the father has done for me to my own child right now in this moment? What would it look like to show my child who the father is and the way that I respond to what's happening right now? And, you know, even how has the father parented me in similar situations? So those, I think, are some some good questions to ask. And also to spend some time just studying the word and just really um, focusing on the character of God, focusing on who he is, um, asking the Lord to show you, show you himself, to show, um, you know, his, the ways that he has, has fathered you. The challenge to pray is always there, to being praying fervently and to seeing what does God say about himself. And, and I know that there are people listening who probably have no good role model in a father. And so that's even more challenging for you to understand that we have a perfect father who is not like that father who was so imperfect and broken himself. And so have hope in that and have confidence in the fatherhood of our God. I will never forget, uh, Paul Miller said that when we pray, we move from worry to watching. And that's, that's one thing I would leave with you today, too, as you are processing what you've heard in our conversation. Take seriously that call to prayer and in his word and ask the Lord to move you from that worrying, that deep worrying and anxiety over your children and your parenting to watching, watching for those little treasures along the way that remind you that he is sovereign and we can trust him. Christina, thank you so much for taking time. I know this is a crazy busy time for you with all of the ministry opportunities you have. You're a prolific writer. You are a speaker. You are an encourager, a counselor. And if you'd like to connect with Christina, you can go to her website at christinafox.com, right? christinafox.com. And we will have uh, more information in our show notes on our website at markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, where you're going to find loads and loads of not only information about Christina, but many resources designed to offer help and hope. And one more thing, Mark Inc. has a counseling ministry called Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling. 
and it is an online counseling service where we have counselors who are very equipped and trained uh, to help you understand how to be a parent, a biblical parent, what the Bible says about parenting. And you can find information about Anchored Hope at our website as well. I'm Sharon Betters. Melissa Weissenfels has joined me today to host this podcast with Christina Fox. This is the Help and Hope podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to you subscribing so you don't miss one of our Help and Hope podcasts. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.